Today is April 26th, 2015. The title of today's sermon is Heavy Hands. Heavy Hands. Um, This is something, and uh, we're going to... This is an interesting kind of day for me because I have a, a general idea. Usually I'm very specific. I'm a very specific type person. And uh, I have more of a general idea, and uh, not that I'm unprepared, but that we're going to be stay flexible with what the Lord has to do. <clears throat> the idea that I wanted to try to get across to you in the next few minutes today is this. Um, there's a couple of different ways that you can have heavy hands. There's a couple of different ways that you can have heavy hands. Um, when I first thought of this the other day, I, I really feel like this is just a message for us for today. Um, that there is a way that you can have heavy hands that cause your hands to drop. Um, that you've been weighed down and you've been burdened by what's going on in life and your hands are just heavy. Can't, can't hardly move anything anymore. I don't know if you've ever worked that hard. Um, I had a teaching band for as long as I did. It was always, uh, I'd have some of my drummers and during preseason at college, we'd start band practice at 8 o'clock in the morning. We'd go till some midday meal. We'd go all afternoon to some dinner time thing, and then we'd come back until they'd shut the lights off on us at the, at the practice facility. So it was from 8 a.m. to about, usually about 10 p.m. is what we did before the school year started for college band. And I remember my friends who were drummers, they would literally get done with the day, and they're holding their drumsticks and have to peel their fingers off of the sticks because they just had it there all day long. Uh, reminds me of some mighty warriors whose hand froze to the sword. But, but this, is, this is actually, I'd see these guys and they'd, oh, 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 can't move my hand. Just kind of achy. And that was back when I was young and much stronger and much lighter. So it was still, it was still, it was still a lot to do. But the idea of what we want to get to today, I'll just give you the whole thing here at the beginning. We're not supposed to have heavy hands. We're supposed to have heavy hands. Amen. The other way that you can use that phrase is that when you have heavy hands, it, it refers to you uh, often in boxing or in fighting. Um, it gives you a lot. Uh, if you'll go back and listen to, we've had sermons over time, uh, heavyweight Sukkot in September of 2010. We had clinch, turn, and mountain offensive in the fall, September, I think, or August or September of this past year. Uh, Pastor Eric spoke on it even a few weeks ago where he's talking about this idea of these heavy hands that are being thrown. Uh, I don't know if you've ever been in a fight. How many of you have ever been in a fight, an actual physical fist fight? I'm just curious. Eric's never been in one. Right. <laughs> She's raising two hands for Eric. Right? It's interesting. Most, most of the guys have. Most of the girls uh, have not, which is amen. 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 Well done. Good job. Keeping it classy. classy. Um, The point of this message today is not about a merely a physical presence. If you take this example today and make it only about an actual physical heavy hands, then you might miss it. You might be easy enough to dismiss what I'm saying to say, I'm not that way. I'm not aggressive. I'm not. And you start talking about all the things that you are not instead of understanding what God is calling you to be. Uh, I am finding in my, in my life, and when I l- recognize people, um, whether it's a physical aggression or whether they understand how to get really, really intense and have an aggression in what they're doing. 
That's what we're going to eventually get to today is to understand what God has for us so that we can have heavy hands. So that we can make a mark against the enemy, that we can stand toe-to-toe, maybe even in fear for our own life. And we're just going to keep letting it rip. We're just going to keep swinging. Because at this point, if we're going to get defeated, we might as well go down swinging. Right? All these statements that we know. By the way, I don't think that we're going to go down. But the understanding is, is even if this costs me my life, we talked about this several weeks ago. It's been talked on throughout the history of our church, this idea of rock kazak. Be strong and be courageous. In other words, you're going to come in there and you're going to do what you need to do regardless of what the circumstances look like. This is what I am to do. There's a resolute purpose in what we should have as believers. If you have lost your resolve today, I want to challenge you and encourage you to stand up and find your resolve. I want you to stop having heavy hands and I want you to start having heavy hands. Amen. If you're listening to this by audio, some of this you're going to get lost. First, heavy hands is you just drop by the side. And second is that you can make an impact against the kingdom of the darkness. That you can win a victory for the kingdom of light. That is what we are here to do. The reason that we pr- practice in here what we want to perform out there is so that we can get ready for the battle that's there. Yes. This is the huddle. Many churches forget that. This one doesn't. But I would challenge you that some of you here have forgotten that. You are here and you are living vicariously through other people who are doing a work and you're like, hey, we're doing a work. Well, amen, yes. We are doing a work, that's correct. I want to challenge you today, what are you doing for the kingdom? What are you doing? Do you have heavy hands? Have you gotten just tired? Have you gotten that idea that you're just going to kind of lose anyway? So, Or do you want to stand there toe-to-toe? There's something that it was within humanity. The the reason we like the movies we do, you know why? It's because somebody who's overcoming incredible odds to do something that they clearly should not be able to do. Those are my favorite movies. They really are. The, The gladiator, a mighty warrior who's put down in the lowest parts of society. I'm not trying to glorify the movies. I'm trying to say, do you understand that even... The secular world understands this principle that we're talking about. There's something noble about standing there in the face of adversity and not flinching. I I could literally die here, and I'm just not going to go anywhere. I'm going to make my stand right here. I remember being in college. Now, this is, again, sharing all these things with you, just trying to be very transparent. I was in college, and I read a comic book. I mean, I read more than one, but in this one in particular that I want to talk I read a Superman collectible comic book. Now, spoiler alert, this happened in the 90s, by the way, so it's it's still a spoiler alert. In the comic book series, they actually killed Superman. He actually died. What? It's crazy. 92, by the way, so long time ago. In this series of comic books, it really, it was him fighting this incredible bad guy in there, and it's legendary fight. It takes about six or seven episodes in the books. So you're just, I just kept reading, and they compiled it all into one. And you know what? This, this sounds silly. God did so much in my heart about through that comic book. He's like, what a silly, fictitious thing, right? But in me, God used that to go, hey, this is a, this is a comic book character. I get it. But the willingness to literally fight, and if it costs you your life, was an amazing, um, I guess I had thought about it before, but there was something about that period in my life and God said, you need to have more of a steely resolve. Yeah. 
you need to understand that if this costs you your life, that's a small price to pay. And I saw it typified in something silly like a comic book. I mean, how, how juvenile, right? And yet God spoke to me in such a powerful way that, that I, rem- I can remember the feeling that I had when I read this silly little series of comic books because God used it to say, how much more should you be? This is, this is fiction. <laughs> These are characters that were written years ago. How much more should I be that in real life? I'm not fiction. My life is not fiction. This is for real. Could, could I do something like that? And then we see in Scripture, obviously, much better examples than, than a mere Superman comic book. But let's start off in Isaiah chapter 13. Say there when you are there. It says this in Isaiah 13 and starting in verse 6. Wail, for the day of the Lord is near. It will come like destruction from the Almighty. Because of this, all hands will go limp. <laughs> Have you ever seen that happen? Have you ever seen it in, in kids that you're, that you're around or that you're dealing with, your own kids? They're doing something and then you say something and what happens? Boom. Right? Immediately the hands go limp because they're, they wanted to do something and they got told no, so it's... Right? I have sound effects in my head when my kids do that, sorry. Because of this, all hands will go limp. Every man's heart will melt. Turn to Jeremiah chapter 6. Jeremiah chapter 6, verse 24. We have heard reports about them. And our hands hang limp. Anguish has gripped us. Pain like that of a woman in labor. Do not go out to the fields or walk on the roads for the enemy has a sword and there is terror on every side. Um, Obviously, we are not in some of these direct settings. But I would imagine that some of us feel this exact same way. You might have to change the specifics to fit your situation. But you're in situations in certain areas in your life and you've allowed your hands to hang limp. This just won't change. I just, yeah, I just am what I am. Well, too much has happened in my life for anything to change and be different than what it is. Do not go out to the fields or walk on the roads for the enemy has a sword and there is terror on every side. If this reflects what you are thinking in your heart, unfortunately, a lot of times, most people that I deal with, most people that I talk to, there's just a huge amount of fear that they're living in every single day. Fear that God's not going to provide. Oh, they would never say it that way. They wouldn't put it in these terms. They're, they're afraid that God won't provide, so they're going to work like a fiend. They're afraid that sickness won't get better, so they, uh, they're afraid that maybe what God has promised them isn't actually true, and they are the exception to God's plan. Somehow, although God can do great things in others, perhaps they are the exception. Their life somehow is the exclusion to everything else that the Word says. In spite of all information to the contrary, we allow our hands to hang limp. We have heavy hands. Turn to Jeremiah chapter 47, verse 3.
go back up to verse 1. This is the word of the Lord that came to Jeremiah the prophet concerning the Philistines before Pharaoh attacked Gaza. This is what the Lord says. See how the waters are rising in the north? They will become an overflowing torrent. They will overflow the land and everything in it, the towns and those who live in them. The people will cry out, all who dwell in the land will wail. There's that word again, right? Wail. That's a mournful, external um, sound that's indicating what their heart really is. A wailing. I have a friend who, she is, a, she is my age, and she still to this day when she eats good food, she, mm, 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 mm. like out loud. Like, uh, I, I think it's kind of involuntary at this point. <laughs> like AJ or something, just tearing up some banana or avocado or whatever it is that she's eating. Like, a grown person, like out loud, making these noises, and you're like, it's kind of refreshing, and it's just kind of funny on the other hand of like, what really is on the inside is just coming out. Out of the abundance of our heart, she's making noise. <laughs> I don't know if it's your mouth that's speaking or what. It's a pretty incredible place when we are um, in a place where the wail comes out of us, when we begin, when we begin to wail. Sometimes it's a, it's a lamentful morning, and sometimes it's actually the words. We put words to our wailing, but the truth is it's just us crying out. There's just pain and bitterness that's there. Ezekiel, turn just a few pages over. Ezekiel chapter 7, verse 17. Ezekiel 7, 17. Every hand will go limp and every knee will become weak as water. Isn't that an interesting way to say that? Every hand will go limp and every knee will become weak as water. They've lost their constitution. They've lost their ability to stand in front of anything. Ezekiel chapter 21. Just laying a little groundwork here. Ezekiel chapter 21 verse 7. Ezekiel 21, 7. You guys there? And when they ask you, why are you groaning? You shall say, because of the news that is coming. Every heart will melt and every hand go limp. Every spirit will become faint and every knee will become weak as water. It is coming. It will surely take place, declares the Sovereign Lord. We should not be those who are fearful and turn back. <laughs> How much does the current political state cause us to mourn and wail? Oh, it's, it's pretty terrible. How much are the current trends and what we see going on in our world, how much do those cause us to lament? But turn to Zechariah chapter 3. This is what the Lord has for us. Uh, I'm sorry, Zephaniah. Zephaniah chapter 3. Zephaniah 3.16. Isn't it good how God causes some of these? I realize the verses weren't inserted when they were originally done. But really, how many 3.16s throughout the Bible are pretty important? Give us life and give us hope. 
Zephaniah 3, 16. On that day, they will say to Jerusalem, do not fear, O Zion. Do not let your hands hang limp. The Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. He will take great delight in you. He will quiet you with His love. The wailing and the mourning and the external sounds that were there, He will take great delight in you. He will quiet you with His love. He will rejoice over you with singing. From hands hanging limp, (laughs) our youngest is five, and she has the hands hanging limp syndrome at some times. And literally what I will do sometimes is I don't even try to tuck up under her arms. I just let her arms still hang limp and I just grab her around it and just pick her up. Like, ah, you're not going to fool me. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to break through all of this stuff right now. Amen. And if you're a parent, you understand that. All this hubbub that you got going on, I ignore it all. I don't care. I'm just going to love you enough that it's going to break through that and pretty soon she's... Oh, Daddy, you need to shave your beard. Right. And uh, <laughs> at least trim it. Uh, oh, it's prickly. Uh, uh. Yep, yep, sure is. <laughs> and what happens almost instantaneously? Me talking about that. You should see what it just did to the room. We all understand what that feels like. We all know exactly what that's like. When really you could go hard after somebody and really all you get is love and it just melts all that away. The Lord your God is with you. Everybody say, God is with me. God is with me. Say it again. Say, God is with me. God is with me. He is mighty to save. He will take great delight in you. God takes great delight in us, His children. Some of you actually don't believe that though. You don't. You know how I know? (laughs) Because your hands are still hanging limp. God actually takes great delight. Ray, God takes great delight in you. Come on. Too bad you're right in front of me because I'm just going to pick on you, right? Sweet baby Ray. Sweet baby Ray. (laughs) God takes great delight in us. He will quiet us with his love. The panic that can set in, the fear that can set in, the nervousness that can set in, I still get nervous about things that I should never get nervous about. I went and did a wedding yesterday in Austin, told you guys. I get nervous before every single stinking wedding. I've done about, I probably haven't done as much as Pastor Eric, but I've done about 30 weddings. 30. I get like almost throw up nervous before a wedding. I'm not the one getting married. Really, as long as I sign the paper at the end of this thing, I mean, we're good. And I'm like, I want to get there about two hours early. I'm stressing out. Why? I don't know why. I want it to be good for them. I, like I want it to. I want this to be a good thing and good event. And I want it's like seriously, bro. Calm down. Like this thing is going to happen. Even if I flood part of it, you know what I'll do? Oops, I didn't mean to say that. I'll say it this way. It's going to happen. He will quiet us with his love. In those moments, I'm trying to figure out all the things that are on me and I don't want to miss say a word and I want to get this right and God help me, don't ever let me call the wrong name. That, like, that stresses me out more than anything. Like, I know these people. <laughs> Lord God, don't let me say the wrong name by accident. <laughs> Do you, Alan, take... 
Tammy. <laughs> you're like, my name's Danielle. <laughs> oh! Biggest fear that I have. Like, I don't know why, but it's there. But God will quiet us. He'll quiet us. How many irrational fears do you have? It's, it's easy because I'm up here and I gladly share them because they're ridiculous. They're so ludicrous, the fears that I have. And I let them overwhelm me at times instead of just going, um, I'm called to do this. He's with me. He'll quiet me with his love. He's actually going to rejoice over me. Amen. He's going to rejoice and dance up and down and, and, and twirl me around because he's rejoicing over me with singing. <laughs> we saw a friend last night and they had a little family camp out in their, in their house. And at two in the morning, the daughter got up to go to the bathroom and she just starts singing. Let it go, let it go. Two in the morning. Mom was like, um, shush. <laughs> like, I'm happy. <laughs> like, you need to go to bed. <laughs> you know, I'd like, my wife is actually incredible at this. Um, if it were up to my wife, the entire world would be like a musical. At random times during any message, people would like just come out from rafters and start dancing and then go away. And somehow we would all know the same dance at the same time and do it to the same song. Like, ta-da! <laughs> I'm not kidding. Like, if it were like a real-life Annie production all the time, my wife would actually probably be pretty happy. And this is exactly why I need my wife. Because she helps me remember how simple and how beautiful having joy is. Amen. God is going to rejoice over us. If we belong to Him, if we belong to Him, He can rejoice over us. Amen. He will be with us. Is that just a general? No, it's for those who belong to Him. It's for those who don't allow their hands to hang. He'll just, and even if you are, He'll just kind of pick you up and twirl you around and you go, huh. There's no need for us to have heavy hands. If you look at it in the natural, that statement that I just said is ridiculous. I can list 47 reasons why I should have heavy hands. Why my hands and my arms should hang limp down by my side. Why I shouldn't have hope. But if the Lord is with you and He's mighty to save, what else do you need? Why are you so worried? Why are you so fretful of things? Why am I so fretful of things? Well, I must forget this. He'll take great delight in me. He will quiet me with His love. He will rejoice over me with singing. Amen. Turn to Isaiah chapter 35. Isaiah chapter 35. This is becoming one of my favorite chapters in the Bible. That may change next week, but right now. I get a lot of favorites, you know. But right now, Isaiah 35, chapter 35, verse 1. <clears throat> the desert and the parched land will be glad. The wilderness will rejoice and blossom. Like the crocus, it will burst into bloom. It will rejoice greatly and shout for joy. The glory of Lebanon will be given to it, the splendor of Carmel and Sharon. They will see the glory of the Lord, the splendor of our God. And look here, verse 3. Strengthen the feeble hands. Steady the knees that give way. Yes. Oh, 
Say to those with fearful hearts, be strong and do not fear. Your God will come. He will come with vengeance, with divine retribution. He will come to save you. Be strong. Do not fear. Your God will come. Do not let your circumstances around you convince you of anything other than what that word just said. Be strong. Do not fear. Your God will come and He will save you. He will take good care of you. Verse 5, Then the eyes of the blind will be opened. Why is it important that we do not let our hands hang limp? Why is it important that our knees aren't like water? Because we need to see these things happen and I want God to use me to do these things. Then will the eyes of the blind be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then will the lame leap like a deer. That didn't sound too lame to me. And the mute tongue shall shout for joy. Water will gush forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. The burning sand will become a pool, the thirsty ground bubbling springs. And the haunts where jackals once lay, grass and reeds and papyrus will grow. And a highway will be there. It will be called the way of holiness. The unclean will not journey on it. The unclean will not journey on it. It will be for those who walk in that way. There is a way that we are to walk. Pastor Eric has been mentioning this for for weeks now, several sermons in a row. There is a standard for us to follow. We don't get to make this up on our own. We don't get to choose how we're going to get to someone just because we like or don't like it. We don't get to pick how we want to do this. I'm going to presume that the God of all creation that made everything has a prescribed way for us to do it. Amen. That's what His entire Word tells us. It will be for those who walk in the way. Wicked fools will not go about on it. No lion will be there, nor any ferocious beast get on, up on it. They will, be found, they will not be found there, but only the redeemed will walk there, and the ransomed of the Lord will return. Then they will enter Zion with singing. Everlasting joy shall, will crown their heads. Gladness and joy will overtake them. Wow, that's something I want to overtake me. Amen. <laughs> Gladness and joy. Yes. And sorrow and sighing will flee away. So God does not intend for us to have heavy hands. He wants us to have heavy hands. We all know that Pastor Eric loves quotes from C.T. Studd, so I'm going to say one that he has said several times because I like it and I wanted to share it. The best training for a soldier of Christ is not merely a theological college. They always seem to turn out sausages of varying lengths, tied at each end without the glorious freedom a Christian ought to abound and rejoice in. (laughs) The glorious freedom a Christian ought to abound and rejoice in. You see... When in hand-to-hand conflict with the world and the devil, neat little biblical confectionery is like shooting lions with a pea shooter. One needs a man who will let himself go and deliver blows right and left as hard as he can hit. If you've never actually tried anything as hard as you can do, if you've never let your hands go as hard as you can throw them, that is a unique perspective. I was convinced today that during worship, and I apologize if this offends you, but this is what my heart is. Um, I love you guys, but I am not at all trying to stand up here and perform in any way. I I just don't have it in me. I was a performer at one time. (laughs) I was a clarinet player. 
saxophone player in college. Loved it. Had a great time. I'm not standing up here to perform before you. Um, whatever the song was that we were singing, great, great Are You, Lord, I literally, in the middle of worship, and this is not probably the way that you need to do it when you're singing on a mic, so thank you, Rick, for all the work that I'm sure that I put you through. I wanted to see just if I could like literally wear myself out while I was singing it. If it's his breath in my lungs, I'm literally going to see if I can get all of it out right now. That's what I'm thinking standing here. I wonder if I can sing hard enough because my God is so great, I will be glad. This is so easy, but I just want to, I literally want to actually try to sing and give him all of the breath that's in my lungs. I literally want to push hard enough that I don't have, I'm not holding anything back from him. Nothing. Zero. As much as I know it, between me and God Almighty, I'm literally going to give him everything that I have singing this song. That's not actually conducive to singing on a microphone, by the way. That's really not the way you're supposed to do that. You lose a little bit of control when you do that. It's not as refined as it should be. And you know what? I'm okay with that. I'm really okay with that because that I don't want to get in the habit of always holding something back from the God of all creation. It is our habit to do that. Um, if you guys will just put your Bible in your lap, I'm going to ask you to do an example. I can't remember. Maybe I've done this before. Okay, nobody move yet. I will give instructions, and then I'll have you do it. Okay, so when I give the command, you, uh, I'm going to ask for those of you who are able to put both hands up above your head as high as they go. Don't anybody do it yet. Okay. As high as it will go, um, actually, go ahead and stand up. This will, this will be better if you stand. Just It'll take a second. You, you can sit back down and get comfortable again. Don't worry. Okay, so your hands are down by your side now. When I say go, I want you to lift your hands as high as you can above your head. That's the only instruction. Okay? Is everybody clear? Kiddos, you all clear? Everybody's good? Okay. <laughs> Egyptians. Okay. <laughs> They're awesome. That's it. That's what. A, that's what the rest of that statement is. Okay. So one, two, three. Hands up as high as they go. Higher. Higher. Okay. Thank you. Have a seat. That's it. That's all I want you to do. Um. So the instructions were to raise your hands as high as you could go when I when I counted to three. Right. As high as you could go. And then I said, higher. And mo- <laughs> Bing, light bulb, right? All the instructions were to go as high as you can when I said go. Um, there are probably, I'm going to go ahead and say that I didn't notice anyone in here who didn't actually stretch a little bit further after I said go higher. It is in our nature to not go all out. I am going all out. You are intelligent people, far smarter than I. You are here. I told you instructions, very simple instructions, and no one in the room completed them properly. (laughs) Nobody. How is that possible? You are all out kind of people, and you know what? Nobody did it right. You know what? Because it's in us not to go all out. It's in us to say that we're going to go all out. It's in us to go ahead and say, man, I am going all out for Jesus. And you know what? Most of us have extra, oh, you know, if I think about it, oh, maybe, ugh, 
We go higher. We can go more than what we think we can. And that's really if you're serious. Those are for the serious ones. I believe that everyone in here wanted to do exactly what I asked because you're those kind of people. And we still didn't do it. (laughs) Because there's always just a little bit extra. There's always just this little bit more. So when when I read a statement from C.T. Studd that says, one needs a man who will let himself go and deliver blows right and left as hard as he can hit. Ladies and gentlemen, we need to learn how to hit as hard as we can. There's training to help you to get to hit harder. But right now all I'm saying is, how about you actually start trying to hit as hard as you can? How about you actually not hold anything back? I'm I'm not much of a fighter. I like to smooth things over if I can. I really do. I like to calm words and instruct people. That's kind of my flow. And you know what? On the inside of me, I absolutely want to be a lion. I absolutely want to be someone who's incredibly, I want to be gracious externally and I want to be on fire internally. I want to have kind, soft-spoken words and I want to be able to rip things apart when I need to. That's not me being duplicitous. That's me absolutely sharing my heart before you and saying, you know what, to really do this thing in the kingdom, you have to have the snarl. (laughs) You have to have the teeth. You have to have the tenacity or you won't make it. You won't fulfill what God has for you if you are only the lamb. Several weeks ago, we had the prophecy that came forth about the lion and the lamb, right, Miss Joe? What a brilliant, what a perfectly timed word from the Lord. Do not let what you think you are, if you think you're a lion, make sure that you are literally giving all to Christ. That you are not holding things back. If you perceive yourself as a lamb, let me encourage you, find some teeth. Find some tenacity about you because this thing is not going to happen with with confectionary Christians. Let me finish this saying. Let, let himself go and deliver blows right and left as hard as he can hit, trusting in the Holy Ghost. Yeah, that's pretty good. That's a needed addition to what he said. I'm going to do it as hard as I can, trusting that the Holy Spirit is going to make up for the fact that I lack. It's experience, not preaching, that hurts the devil and confounds the world. <laughs> the training is not that of schools, but of the market. It's the hot, free heart and not the balanced head that knocks out the devil. I take objection to that. I think it's completely true. I don't like that because I've grown up trying to be the balanced head. So when I hear this, it challenges me to go, "Eh." it's more than just an intellectual pursuit. I want to have a hot, free heart. Do you? Do you want to have an actual hot, free heart? Free from the sin that we allow to stick around in our lives? free from the fear that causes us to withdraw and to not ever, ever really give our all to Him. Nothing but forked lightning Christians will count. A lost reputation is the best degree for Christ's service. I'm going to say that line again. A lost reputation is the best degree for Christ's service. It is not so much the degree of the arts that is needed, but of that of the hearts, loyal and true that love not their lives to death. Large and loving hearts which seek to save the lost multitudes rather than guard the 99 well-fed sheep. 
Here's another, here's another saying. We're going to get to some scriptures. So I'm going to get away from the, from the sayings here, but this is actually one of my favorites. It's from Theodore Roosevelt. Just, just love it. So I'm just going to read it to you, hopefully to bless you, and then we'll jump back into scripture. It is not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes short again and again, because there is no effort without error and shortcoming. I think he's got a pretty good perspective on this. But who does actually strive to do the deed? Who spends himself in a worthy cause? That could be a phrase for our church. I know it's not purely from Scripture, but we want to spend ourselves in a worthy cause. We've found the worthy cause, and now we want to spend ourselves completely for it. Who at best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement, and who at the worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly, so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who neither know victory nor defeat. Pretty stout. From about a hundred years ago is when this was quoted. Let's see what the Lord has to say about this. Micah chapter 7. Micah chapter 7. In verse 8. Do not gloat over me, my enemy. Though I have fallen, I will rise. Though I sit in darkness, the Lord will be my light. <laughs> the idea, this is the idea of the heavy hands. If you're in an actual fight and you're outnumbered and you're outgunned and you're losing, you know what? Sometimes the only, they call it a boxer's chance, a puncher's chance, where you're like, look, uh, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to rise again. I'm just going to keep swinging. Because you know what? In the boxing world, I can get lucky and catch you with one punch if I've got the right hands. I can, all it takes is one blow and the enemy can go down. Amen. Problem is, is we don't know which blow can cause the enemy to go down. So you know what we do? We keep punching until he does. That's the only way to do this thing is you keep fighting, you keep punching until the enemy goes down. Well, how long must I do this? Until it's done. Oh, that is the exact idea of the rock Kazakh. The Kazakh Amats just says, I'm going to keep going here and I'm never going to stop. I'm never going to stop until I gain full victory. We're going to keep banging the arrows on the ground. Right, Clements? We're going to keep banging those arrows on the ground. We're not going to stop after three times. You know why? Because we haven't seen the victory yet. Didi, we're going to, we're going to keep praying. We're going to keep fighting. We're literally going to stand here and go, God, I don't know if I have a heavy enough hands, but you know what? I'm going to presume that if you're with me, that this thing will work. We are not going to slide back. We are not going to detract from what the Word of God has for us to say. For some of you, it's your marriages that you've given up on. For some of you, it's your relationships that you've given up on. Let me encourage you by the power of God. Get some heavy hands. Don't let your hands hang down by your side. The worst thing you can do as a fighter is to have your hands down. Because that's when you're going to get knocked out. I'm saying... Pick up your dukes. Pick up your dukes. Um, the more that you fight, uh, I've told my wife this in the past. 
and this is, you can ask her, and I've honestly said this. So if we ever get in, and maybe I've shared this before, but um, if we ever get in a difficult situation, and you see a guy with like cauliflower ears, <laughs> it means he's been in so many fights that are wrestling matches or whatever that he's damaged his ears and they kind of grow back over in, in a calloused form. They're called cauliflower ears. Um, babe, I will defend you. I'm not backing up. <laughs> but what I need you to do is dial 911 immediately. <laughs> I will go into battle. But I don't need you to wait to see if I'm going to win this one. <laughs> Call him now. I might win. But just in case. <laughs> it won't keep me from entering the fray. I'm just saying, if you see some guys who've got these weird scars all over their hands and their ears, there's marks once you've been in fights. Eric brought out a few weeks ago the picture of the, of the lion with the scarred face. What a, what a great picture. What a great picture. You know, the more you fight, sometimes there's scars there, but it's actually amazing that those scars can help you to have heavier hands. The little breaks, the little damage that goes on in the wrist and the hands and the bones in the hands, that once these guys have fought for a while, those, they've probably broken about every bone that they can break in a hand and a wrist. And they've healed and they've calloused over and they've scarred over and these guys just start having heavy hands. They just become stronger. They just start knowing how to literally throw not only the punch with only arm strength, but their whole body is now being thrown in it. So where are you at? How are you doing in fighting the enemy? What areas have you allowed him to stick around and you just decided it's okay for him to stick around? Is it impurity in your life that you're just allowing to stick around? Oh, but that's, that's just hard and I, I can't overcome it. Okay, maybe you haven't fought with all you have yet. Maybe you need to learn how to have some heavy hands and defeat this thing. At what point is it going to get easier to defeat than now? You keep, you keep giving the enemy ground. Oh. What about your attitude in your heart? What about how you view yourself? What about self-pity and self-loathing that we do and we just keep ourselves bound and chained and undermining God's will for our lives? When are we going to pick up our hands and learn how to have heavy hands against the enemy? I would rather lose going all out than just get beat. I, I, just, I just don't want to sit there. Some of us are a little punch drunk. We're, we're a little skittish. Now the enemy no longer even has to hit us. Just kind of... You'll ever, you'll ever see that in kids on a playground? What? What? Right? No better than peacocks walking around... <laughs> What? You're not doing anything, man. I have seen guys in high school through when I was principal, and they were literally just ain't nothing going on. I'm like, look, either somebody needs to throw a punch or y'all go back to class. This is boring. Either give me something to suspend you over or leave. All right, Mr. <laughs> You're like, you bunch of scaredy cats. These fight, man. Go ahead. Give me something to write up. That's fine. Let's not be people who are there and the enemy just goes, what? Huh? No, you're going to take a whole lot more than that. 
these repetitive sins, these willful sins, these things that now have bondage over me, I'm going to break those things in Jesus' name. Yes. Yes. What? What else? What else are we going to do? You're going to just let it stick around? Well, it's but it's hard. Yeah, it is, and it'll kill you. It'll destroy God's plan for your life. I'm sorry, it's hard. Pick up your hands and fight. But I get tired. Yep, you will. That's why you train. So you keep fighting. So you can pray for the marriage. So you can overcome the lies that the enemy tells you. So you can have a pure hand and clean heart. So that you can do exactly what God's called you to do. Have some heavy hands about you. Have something. (laughs) We all know it when we see it. We find nobility in others who can stand there and take something. Let's be those people. We don't have to let it be somebody else. This should be us. I have a problem when I read Scripture sometimes. I always want to put myself in the best possible light. right? I don't want to look at myself as the rich young ruler (laughs) because he had to sell. I don't don't really want to put myself always in that place. (laughs) But in this case, let's find those great examples and say those men and women of the Bible are no stronger they had just as many problems as we do. What I heard in the past several messages from Pastor Eric was this. There's a righteous standard that it has been transmitted all the way from, from as time began. And you know what? They did it. They got the accurate word to us. I actually heard such great hope and power in what he was saying. Surely if they could do it, then I can do it too. I'm going to stand up. I'm going to learn how to do it right. But I can do this. You know why? Because it's not all about me. He is going to empower me to do exactly what I need to do. If I'll but just put myself in the place that He can use me. If I would just have enough faith to go, you know what? I'm not going to let my own limitations... I'm not going to say no for the Lord. I'm not going to say no for the Lord in my life. Lord, I'm going to put myself in a place where you can use me if you choose to. I don't got much. Not a whole lot. But here you go. It's all of it. You do with it whatever you want. If you want to discard it, that's your business. And I don't think he will, but I'm, I'm, let's, let's take this line of thinking for a while. So what if he discards you? You've given your whole life for him. Amen. But I know that the Lord and I know that he wants to use us. That's his design. That's his plan. That's why you're here. It's so that he can use you. Turn to Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. I hope this is making sense to you. Hebrews chapter 12. (laughs) Start reading in verse 1. Hebrews 12, 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before Him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful man so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. 
Can I encourage you with that word this morning? Consider Him who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. In Jesus' name, do not grow weary. Do not lose heart. Whatever it is that you are struggling with, whatever it is that the difficulties are that make you want to put your hands down, consider Him who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. I am intentionally using repetition here for hopefully a very good purpose. That we will get it down beyond our brains and get it down into our souls and to our spirits. Don't grow weary. Don't be discouraged. In your struggle against sin, you have not resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And you have forgotten that word of encouragement that addresses you as sons. My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline and do not lose heart when He rebukes you because the Lord disciplines those He loves and He punishes everyone He accepts as a son. The issue is not if He's disciplining us or punishing us. The issue is is if He's not. That's the problem because He disciplines those that He considers sons and daughters. (laughs) You should count it and measure it against it. If you've never felt the Lord's discipline, then perhaps you're not one of His. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as sons. For what son is not disciplined by his father? If you are not disciplined, and everyone undergoes discipline, then you, will, um, then you are illegitimate children and, and not true sons. Moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them for it. Is that true? If you had a father that disciplined you, as much as you didn't like the discipline in the moment, at least later on in life you could see how valuable that it was. How much more should we submit to the Father of our spirits and live? Our fathers disciplined us for a little while as they thought best, but God disciplines us for our good. (laughs) There's no implication that He has to think about what's best for us. What He does is best for us. But God, discipline, um, but God disciplines us for our good that we may share in His holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. So let me encourage you, if you are reaping a harvest other than righteousness and peace, perhaps you have not passed the discipline test with the Lord. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Therefore, strengthen your feeble arms and your weak knees. Make level paths for your feet so that the lame may not be disabled, but rather healed. Turn to 2 Chronicles chapter 20. Just a few more verses and then we'll wrap it up. 2 Chronicles chapter 20. Verse 10. But now here are men from Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, whose territory you would not allow Israel to invade when they came from Egypt. So they turned away from them and did not destroy them. See how they are repaying us 
by coming to drive us out of the possession you gave us as an inheritance. O our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. (laughs) We do not know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. Have you ever been in a place where you didn't know what to do? I'm in that place all the stinking time. The older I get, the more I feel that way. I'm like, I thought at this age I would have more things figured out. I'm going, huh? Lord, I don't know. Unless you tell me, I just don't know. I don't know what to do, but I'm going to put my eyes on you. Verse 15, all the men of Judah with their wives and their children and little ones stood there before the Lord. Then the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel, son of Zechariah, the son of Benaiah, the son of Jael, the son of Mataniah, a Levite and descendant of Asaph, as he stood in the assembly. He said, listen, King Jehoshaphat and all who live in Judah and Jerusalem, this is what the Lord says to you. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army. For the battle is not yours, but God's. I think the reason that we're so tired and some of us is that we've been fighting a lot of battles and trying to make them our own. The battle is not yours, it's God's. Tomorrow, march down against them. They will be climbing up by the pass of Ziz and you will find them at the end of the gorge in the desert drill. You will not have to fight this battle. Take your, up your position, stand firm and see the deliverance the Lord will give you. <laughs> you will not have to fight this battle. Wait, but I thought you were talking about having heavy hands. Yes, I am. Take up your positions. (laughs) It is still incumbent on us to put ourselves in a position for God to win the battle. Well, no, I think we're all of of a nature, at least I am. I won't have to fight this battle. Oh, I love that kind of word. Oh, I don't have to do anything. Fantastic. No, take up your positions, stand firm, and see the deliverance of the Lord. There's a list of things. Just because I'm not fighting doesn't mean that I don't have a job to do. God gave a list of things for them to do. Take up your position, stand firm, see the deliverance the Lord will give you. (laughs) Pay attention, son. O Judah and Jerusalem, do not be afraid, do not be discouraged. Go out to face them tomorrow and the Lord will be with you. Jehoshaphat bowed his face to the ground and all the people of Judah and Jerusalem fell down and worshiped before the Lord. Yeah, they did. Then some Levites from the Kohathites and the Korites stood up and praised the Lord, the God of Israel, with very loud voice. Almost like his, it was his breath in their lungs. Early in the morning they left for the desert of Tekoa. As they set out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Listen to me, Judah and the people of Jerusalem. Have faith in the Lord your God and you will be upheld. I hope you guys, I hope this is resonating with some of you. I hope it's resonating and you're hearing words not just from, a, from several thousand years ago, but you're hearing words of a living God to you today. Have faith in the Lord your God and you will be upheld. Put your hands up and you will be upheld. Have faith in, the, in, in His prophets and you will be successful. After consulting the people, Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord and praise Him for the splendor of His holiness. Why do we worship the Lord? For the splendor of His holiness. When we can get past trying to praise the Lord based on what we think that He can give and just because of who He is, you will find the success that you're looking for. 
when we can keep our arms from hanging limp and we can raise our hands as high as they'll go without any reservation, understanding the splendor of His holiness, we're just starting to scratch the surface of what God can do with us. Amen? Psalms 18. Psalms 18 and verse 32. Psalms 18, 32. It is God who arms me with strength and makes my way perfect. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to stand on the heights. He trains my hands for battle my arms can bend a bow of bronze. <laughs> you know, one of the things that I, I like about, uh, I enjoy watching athletics and, you know, once uh, there's static stretching that you can do, you stay still and you hold something, and after these guys get really limber, then you just kind of see them. What are they doing? They're just keeping the blood flowing, they're, they're this kinesthetic movement just to keep themselves loose. Last few days as I've been praying, I, I wish I had the skill to do it. In my brain, I have the skill, but I don't actually have the skill. Just to kind of stand there and, you know, air box is the way I've been just boxing with the air. Just I've kind of got this stance and when I'm praying lately. All right? Lord, what giant are you going to allow me to knock out today? Amen. Come on. Who, who, who can I stand in the gap with? Who can I fight for? Who... Who's maybe their arms are a little weak right now. Who, who can I stand beside and go, uh-uh, nope, not on my watch. Nope, I will let my hands go with all that I have. Who is it? Lord, if you're training my hands for battle, and if my arms are strong enough to bend a bow of bronze, <laughs> the standard for righteous judgment, I, if I can do something that is in line with your judgment, Lord, if I have my hands trained for battle, you don't train my hands for battle for me to sit on them. You don't train my hands for, for, for battle for me to give in to any whim that comes along. Uh, last scripture here. Let's turn to uh, 1 Samuel chapter 14. 1 Samuel 14 and verse First Samuel 14, 1 Samuel 14.1 One day Jonathan, son of Saul, said to the young man bearing his honor, Come, let's go over to the Philistine outpost on the other side. But he did not tell his father. Saul was staying on the outskirts of Gibeah under a pomegranate tree in Migron. With him were about 600 men, among whom was Abijah, who was wearing an ephod. He was the son of Ichabod's brother, Ahitub, son of Phinehas, the son of Eli, the Lord's priest in Shiloh. No one was aware that Jonathan had left. On each side of the pass that Jonathan intended to cross to reach the Philistine outpost was a cliff. One was called Bozes and the other Sinaia. One cliff stood to the north toward Michmash. The other stood toward the south towards Gibeah. Jonathan said to the young armor bearer, come, let's go over to the outpost of those uncircumcised fellows. Perhaps the Lord will act in our behalf. Nothing can hinder the Lord from saving whether by many or by few. Do all that you have in mind, his armor bearer said. Go ahead, I am with you, heart and soul. 
So what is Jonathan doing here? He's picking a fight. <laughs> we go from those who run away from fights, and Jonathan's like, hey, uh, what are we going to do today? I don't know. Let's go take over the world. You know, let's, let's go pick a fight. Let's, 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 go see what's, let's go see what God is going to do here in this thing. Jonathan said, come then. We will cross over toward the men and let them see us. Brilliant strategy, by the way, right? Brilliant. So, uh, you know, like, what if we just go walk out on the middle of the field and perhaps these guards may see us? Genius, Jonathan. If they say to us, wait there till we come to you, we will stay where we are and not go up to them. But if they say, come up to us, we will climb up because that will be our sign that the Lord has given them into our hands. They're climbing up this cliff. We've got cliffs on both sides. They're climbing up to say, they're saying, hey, you guys stay right there. Well, it actually just says, okay, we'll just stay right here. But if they say, come on up, we're going to go fight. I don't know if you've ever found people who are just looking for a fight, but these guys are just looking for a fight. Verse 11, so both of them showed themselves to the Philistine outpost. Look, said the Philistines, the Hebrews are crawling out of the holes they were hiding in. <laughs> the men of the outpost shouted to Jonathan and his armor bearer, come up to us and we'll teach you a lesson. Two guys. <laughs> so Jonathan said to his armor bearer, climb up after me, follow me. The Lord has given them into our hand, the hand of Israel. Jonathan climbed up using his hands and feet with his armor bearer right behind him. The Philistines fell before Jonathan and his armor bearer followed and killed behind him. In that first attack, Jonathan and his armor bearer killed some 20 men in an area of about a half an acre. Um, let me encourage you guys as, our, as we close. Um... You need to pick a fight. If you're not ready to pick a fight, then you need to get some heavy hands. <laughs> you need to relinquish the heavy hands and pick up the heavy hands. We need to pick some fights around here. Hopefully not with each other. Uh, not with spouses. Not children with parents and parents with children, but we need to pick a fight against some of the things that the enemy is doing. We need to stand our ground. We need to fight for some holiness in here. We need to fight for healed marriages and healed relationships. We need to fight for God's plan and His vision in our life to be made manifest. We have to learn how to fight. I know that's violent, but it is the way of the kingdom. You must fight or you will die. This is not an option for us here. Let's all stand together.